This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, guys. This is the Breakfast Show on Faith FM. You're with Gemma and Lyle. We are about to launch into Encounter with God. Before we do, we have another clue for our quiz. Go for it, Gemma. What city am I? The next clue is Joshua sent two men to spy on this city. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. If you know the answer, 1-800-324. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. The prize today is Image is Everything by Dustin Hall. You can also text us on 0491-064-669. Gemma, we're about to get into Encounter with God, but before we do, we need to remind everybody about the app. Yes, the app. Everybody should get the app. If you don't have the app, why do you not have the app? Even I have the app. Even even, even Gemma. I, ha- I work here. I do radio, and even I have the app. Gemma has the app. Don't ever use it because I'm, I'm always here, but you're not here, so you should get the app. Exactly. So uh, simply go to your app store and type in Faith FM Australia. It's the white one with the squiggly red line on it. You'll recognize it straight away and hit get. It's entirely free. You can listen Australia-wide on the app. Nice. Never have to worry about a dodgy signal. Never have to worry about getting the delayed broadcast. Never have to worry about not being able to participate in the quiz and the free offers because you're on the delayed broadcast. Just uh, be part of the whole thing. Why not? In Canada, we are we are behind again. <laughs> doesn't take the book much, of Daniel. does it? The reason that we are behind is because our studio got wiped out by a tree last week and the storms it fell down. And it's kind of interesting because the office is full of these massive, high-volume <laughs> industrial fans at the moment. There's also, like, red tape everywhere that says, danger, do not enter. <laughs> it's a bit of a... It's a bit scary. Caution, wet floor signs everywhere. It's yeah. they're trying to ha- they're trying for the office not to turn into mold, which is a good thing. Mold is like one of the most unhealthful things that you can have yeah, in well, a building. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's all happening. But it's okay because we're here. That's right, and we are behind. We're back. But we missed a couple of days last week because of that tree. We can catch up in the studio. Okay, Daniel chapter 8, we have noticed that Daniel chapter 8 goes down through Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome in both of its phases. Uh, first, the um, Imperial Roman Empire, followed by the Holy Roman, or the as some might call the Unholy Roman Empire, that exists down through the Middle Ages. And then there is a conversation that Daniel hears between two people. Let's go down to verse 13. So Daniel 8, verse 13, please, Gemma. Then I heard two holy ones talking to each other. One of them asked, How long will the events of this vision last? How long will the rebellion that causes desecration stop the daily sacrifices? How long will the temple and heaven's army be trampled on? Okay, so basically, they're asking, How long is the vision? Yeah. Because they're seeing, you know, the Greeks, the Persians, the Romans, they all come along, the Holy Roman Empire... And they are trampling on God's people. Um, and, you know, h- how long is this all going to continue for until it's all sorted out? Mm. And then, 
This cryptic answer is given. Yes. Verse 14. The other replied, It will take 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the temple will be made right again. Okay, what translation are you reading? I like your translation for this verse better, to what be honest. What translation are you reading? The one I meant to. Right. NLT. Yes, the new lame translation. Ooh, ah. uh, <laughs> I but I like your translation. In. Okay. I, I like your translation better. What, what I find fascinating with your translation is that your translation is a thought translation. Hmm. That's how it pitches itself. That's how it presents itself. It presents itself not as a word-for-word translation, but one where they are translating the thought. Yeah, this is the general gist of what it's trying to say. Exactly. Not this is explicitly word-for-word how it was written. And you have different translations that are written with different philosophies, but this is the philosophy that the NLT is written with. And because of that, it makes a great devotional Bible. Yeah. Yeah. it will let you down in some places where the thought is the thought of the translator rather than the actual words of Scripture. Yeah. I feel like if Whereas you- if you go to a more literal translation, like you know, New King James Version or something like that, where the philosophy behind it is to translate the words, yeah, then you're actually, you know, you're going to say something? I feel like if you're going to do... Yeah, like time in devotion or you just want to read the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible, not to specifically explicitly study something, then you can use those kind of translations. But if you're looking at it for the specific point of learning about Scripture and trying to dig into a specific topic that you've got questions about or something, it's good to compare. Yeah, to yeah. something that is like taken with that <coughs> philosophy. They're, they're, that you were they're a great about. devotional yeah. book. There's lots of good devotional books out there, and, and this is the best of the devotional books that are out there. Uh, but when it comes to actually determining truth, you want to find a translation that is translated with the philosophy of translating the actual words rather than trying to divine the thoughts of the author. I'd go to New King James for that person. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. I'm going to go to Old, Old King James because <laughs> I do. That's me. Oh, I could make the joke about you being old, which okay, is why you read what, Old King James, but I won't. Here's what... <clears throat> moving right along. <laughs> moving right along. Here's what I find fascinating. Your NLT, which is a thought translation... Yes. On this one verse, and this one verse alone... Yes. ...changes from being a thought translation to being a word-for-word translation. It's pretty good. And my King James version, which is a word-for-word translation, kind of goes back the other direction on this really? one. Really? I thought... Okay, well, I so I know this verse in the New King James Version. I don't know it off the top of my head in the Old King James Version, well, but I like really go the back. New it, King it, James it, Version. Yeah. Okay, so the literal translation of the words is under 2,300 evenings and mornings. Really? That is the literal translation of the actual words. Huh. New King James says days. New King James just says days because New King James goes, well, that's the way that Jewish people spoke and that's the way that they described a day. That's a day. That's the way a day works, a morning and an evening. Yeah, sure. They they read Genesis chapter 1 where it says, you know, the morning and the evening were the first day, the morning and the evening were the second day, the morning, and then like, okay, mornings and evenings equals days. So, yeah, you'd think there'd be nothing wrong with just saying days. days. It is slightly interpretive. A little bit, yeah. Little bit. It's not so much thought interpretive, it is just slightly interpretive, whereas yours is literal. The only place in that, in that translation that it is. What about the second half of the verse? Then the temple will be made right again. Oh, okay, and, and um, we'll come to that in just a moment. Okay, I'm jumping ahead. But first of all, we need to note that both translations yes. in this instance are absolutely correct. 
Cool. Evenings and mornings is the actual words, and days is the actual interpretation. Hmm. So 2,300 days. Uh, on that concept, uh, how many? what does a day symbolize in Bible prophecy? Yeah, my next question is going to be, and that is significant, why? Like, does it yes. matter days and mornings and evenings? Because yes. a day is a year in That's right. prophecy talk. Absolutely. Um, so a day symbolizes a year. Therefore, if you have 2,300 evenings and mornings or 2,300 uh, days, you have 2,300 years, which makes for a very, very long prophecy indeed, which means that this prophecy is relevant for us today. Yes. Because it's going to launch you out of all of that ancient history that we've been covering. It's going to jump right across the top of medieval history, and it's going to land you very, very firmly in modern history. But if we've just said that morning and evening is different to days... No, we said the same as days. Well, okay. No, we did Morning didn't. and the evening <laughs> of the first day, the morning even the second day, the morning... Mornings and evening, mornings and evening. Yeah, okay, fine. Okay, all right. Good. Uh, <clears throat> where are we up to? Second part of that verse. The second part of that verse. So we've got a time period here. And the Bible says, unto this particular time period, there'll be 2,300 years. Mm-hmm. And then what will happen? The temple will be made right again. And yours is not entirely incorrect there? Yeah, it's but it's even, also not very... It's not very specific. specific specific. Yeah. It's not very specific. Uh, mine says... Then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. After 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. This refers to a specific service that took place in the temple once a year. It was called the cleansing of the sanctuary or the making right of the sanctuary again. Was that the Day of Atonement or was that something else? That is the Day of Atonement. Oh, yes. It is also called Yom Kippur. Oh, yes. It is also called the Day of Judgment. It is also called the cleansing of the sanctuary. I just want to, I'm just going to say, I feel a little bit clever because I got that right. Well done, Gemma. Yay! Proud of you this morning. Learning things. Absolutely. Anyway, we're going to go to a song break and we're going to come back and we're going to find out what is the cleansing of the sanctuary. No, we're not going to go to a song break. We've got our little itty bitty break. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I have an excuse. That's no, no, no. No, I have an no, excuse. No, you don't. No, you don't. Yes, I, do. I know exactly what your excuse is going to be, and I knew what was coming up. And you, that no, you don't get to use that. How many? You've done this show way more times than I have. You should know the structure of the show. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, but I still have an excuse. Go on, then tell them your excuse. Our screen doesn't work. Our screen does work. It's it just doesn't. A, it does. It's just a little bit smaller and blurrier okay, than normal. Read, read me any line off that screen. I mean, I can't, but I know because okay, it's blue okay. that a song is coming up next. But the last one was yellow, which is not a song because okay. I can see the color. Uh, I just uh, can't read uh, the blurry words. Uh, it was a fail. Then. Do I win that one too? I'll give you that one. I'm on a roll today. Produ- yeah, what, <laughs> yeah, was, what was the other one? You haven't had another win today. I got something right before. Oh, You have. I did. Thank you. Yes. I think you should get a prize. I should. I want this book, but I'm not allowed to have this book. <clears throat> anyway. Back to our subject, the cleansing of the sanctuary. What is the cleansing of the sanctuary? Okay, so let's run through the different words for cleansing of the sanctuary. It's called the cleansing of the sanctuary. It's called the Day of Atonement. Yes. Now, the word atonement in the English language was a word that was created specifically for the purpose of translating the Bible. Really? Yes. Really? When they first came to translate the Bible into the English language, there was no English equivalent for the word atonement. 
I mean, a tone is to, like, make up for something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so, uh, the translators hmm. invented a word. Wow. And, the, and, and, and they invented this word by stitching a number of words together. At one meant. Oh, yeah. No, nice. That makes sense. And so, this is the day in which the sanctuary will be made at one with God. With God's purposes. Oh, yeah. To make so, up so, for, to yeah, put yeah, yeah. back to... Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. so here's the thing. <clears throat> this is what the Bible teaches. The sanctuary is going to need cleaning. That's why it's called the cleansing of the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. The sanctuary is going to be the place where atonement or being made at one with God takes place, which means that previous to this, we are not at one with God. Yes. Uh, the Bible, well, the, 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 the cleansing of the sanctuary, this particular service is also called Yom Kippur or the Day of Judgment. It's a very, very important day on the Jewish calendar. Um, you know, if you're in Jerusalem or somewhere like that, it's a very, very, very special day. It's one of the most uh, sacred of all of the um, annual feast days that took place. Mm. So we need to find out why is this the case? What is it that is taking place on this particular day? And we're going to summarize a number of things here very quickly that you can read about in Leviticus 4 and Leviticus 16. So I want you to write those down for your homework. Uh, let's do those ones again. Leviticus chapter 4, four and Leviticus chapter 16. 16. So you need to read those in detail for homework because we're just going to summarize it here because we, we need to catch up to Daniel chapter 9 where we're at. The only radio show that gives homework. I love it. Yeah. Why not? So good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, homework. Okay. So <clears throat> in Leviticus chapter 4, yes, you have the sin offering. Yes. There were two different ways of doing the sin offering. I'm going to use... the Both both accomplish the same thing. I'm going to use the symbol of the lamb sacrifice. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm going to focus on the lamb sacrifice method was that even though this was used less often than the uh, the lamb... Well, the lamb sacrifice with the blood was used less often than the lamb sacrifice with the eating the flesh... It is the sacrifice with the blood that we see used in the New Testament, more so than the sacrifice that the, the body sacrifice that took place. Okay, I just confused everyone. Little, I shouldn't have little, gone there. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, now I'm like, just, when just in the with, New Testament? Let's like, just what? go with the with the lamb sacrifice with the blood. Okay. It works like this: if you sin, yes, and you realize oh, I sinned, yes. Okay, so it's a it's an ignorant sin then your responsibility, and we'll put it in the context, let's put it in the context of Moses' temple in the wilderness. This is the, hey, this is the one you sin, and then later you realize that you've yeah, done yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, you go and get a lamb. So, mm-hmm. Gemma, you head outside the camp of Israel <sighs> to where all of your sheep are. Have you owned sheep before? This sounds like a lot of work, yes. Have you ever had a pet lamb? Yeah, I was very, very little, but yeah. And I don't remember very much because I was. I'm talking very, very, okay. very little. But yes, once upon I was, a time, I was more like ten when I had nine or ten when I had my pet lamb. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a little bit more <coughs> gut wrenching then. Yep. Okay. And you call that lamb by name. Ooh. It has to be the best one you have. Oh yeah, sad. Yep. <laughs> okay. When you start naming animals, it becomes really hard to eat them. Yeah. Or kill them. My mum grew up on a farm. She used to tell me horror stories about you know pets that she had that got eaten. They then ate. Yeah. Yeah. You don't ever want to name them. She went veggie for like two weeks because she was like, I'm never eating meat again. I can't do it. 
Always a mistake to name the animals when you are on a farm. <laughs> anyway. Um, the best one. You're picking the best one. This is the way that Israelites raised sheep. Yes. They had no fences. And they would separate their sheep from everybody else's sheep by calling their sheep by name. Cool. The only way that you can do that with a sheep is if you hand raise it. Mm-hmm. So they were all pets. Yeah. These were their pets. They were all pets. And Oof. so to put it into a context, then think about your favorite pet. Oh, no. This is going to get really sad in a minute, isn't it? Who, who, what's your favorite pet? I had a dog once. Yeah. What was his name? Dusty. He Dusty. was a husky. Uh, Dusty the husky. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. So you go and you call your favorite pet by name. Oh, no. And you say, follow me. And it will follow you because it's the pet. Yeah, he did. He was and a you good start dog. walking through the camp of Israel. And as you're walking through the camp of Israel and there's a little lamb following you, oh. everybody that you're walking past is going to be like, what? Oh, you've sinned. You've got to take a lamb to do a <laughs> sacrifice. <laughs> yep. You want to put something out on Twitter. You've just done it right there. Um, it's also a lot of work. It's a symbol. It's a symbol. Before we even, don't even worry about the work. Just think about the emotion of it. There's, there's, this is symbolic. Hmm. You can't hide your sin. There's no hiding sin. It's How impossible do you hide, to hide sin. carrying a sheep into town? Before your sin... Yeah, exactly. This is what God's trying to communicate. You might think you can hide your sin, but you can't. In fact, there was a big open space around the temple in the center of the camp of Israel. It was like way, way big area. You had to walk across with this lamb. You know, open space. You and a lamb. Yeah, awkward. Exactly. And then you come across that open space and you walk in through the door of the temple and you are now hidden from view of the camp, aren't you? Yeah. What is it that hides you from view once you walk into the temple? The walls? Yes. What color are the walls? Oh, I should know this, but I don't. They're white. Ooh. What is white a symbol of in the Bible? Purity. Whose purity? Not ours. No, (laughs) whose? Jesus. Okay, so you're walking through the camp of Israel. You're leading a lamb. And everyone's thinking, oh, we can see this person's a sinner. <laughs> and then you walk into the sanctuary, into the courtyard, and suddenly they can't see your sin because you're surrounded by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Yes, oh, I love that. That is so good. Isn't that great? That's amazing. Isn't that fantastic? Yes. Yeah, because you've come to ask forgiveness for sins. And so then you take your little lamb over to the north side of the altar mm. and you confess your sins on the head of the lamb. Yes. Symbolically, the sins are being transferred from you to the lamb. Mm-hmm. What is the wage of sin? Death. And when the sin goes from you to the lamb, what's the only possible outcome for the lamb? Death. Does it deserve it? No. Has it done anything wrong? I mean, it's a sheep. It's entirely innocent. It is your innocent pet. Mm. But because your sins have been transferred to that animal, there is no surviving for that animal. And in fact, that animal needs to be taken its life needs to be taken by your hand. Mm. You then hold it down and you then take a knife and you then cut its throat and you then hold it there while it struggles until it dies with its big white eyes just looking at you. Think about that in, in, in the context of your favorite pet. Oof. This is really, really horrific, isn't it? Mm. Death is the most horrific thing that there is on our planet. There is nothing more horrific than death. 
And this is what God is trying to communicate here because we get too hardened to it. It's like, oh, it's just sin. <laughs> and God's like, no, it's not just sin. It's death, and it's going to cost the death of God himself. I think if we all today had to go and sacrifice a sheep for the for the sin that we've done, a pet. it would yeah a pet, a pet, a beloved pet, a beloved pet for the sin that we've done, it would definitely reshape how we think about sin. Absolutely, absolutely. This is really, really horrific stuff. And then, of course, you catch the blood of that lamb in a bowl, and so the sin is being transferred from you to the lamb to the blood, which is then taken into the sanctuary, and now it is transferred into the sanctuary.
Welcome back, guys. This is Encounter with God. We are talking about the sanctuary service, and specifically we are working up to the Day of Atonement. We've been talking about the sacrifice of the lamb for the sin offering. But before we get back into it, Gemma, if you could give for us next clue for the quiz. The next clue is the walls surrounding this city fell down when the people of Israel shouted. Interesting. One of the only ancient cities where the walls, when it, when it was excavated by archaeologists, they found the walls had fallen outwards rather than inwards. Really? Yeah. Because when you attack a city, you push the walls in. Yeah. From the outside. Yeah. But they fell this out of the Interesting. Good. It's good. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, where are we up to? We were talking about the sin offering and we were talking about that when you sinned, you would bring a lamb as a sacrifice. You would confess your sin over the head of the lamb. Uh, symbolically, the sin was being transferred from you to the lamb. You would then take the life of the lamb because the wages of sin is death. And you would catch the blood in a bowl and the priest would take that bowl of blood into the sanctuary, into the first room of the sanctuary, which was called the holy place, and sprinkle it on the curtain that separated from the most holy place and on the floor in front of the curtain and on the four horns of the altar of incense. And so effectively what was taking place, the sin was being transferred from you to the lamb, to the blood, to the holy place. Mm -hmm. And so when you walk out of the sanctuary, having sacrificed your lamb, whereabouts is your sin? Still there. It's in the holy place. Mm. How much sin is on you? None, because you've just put it all on the sheet. How much relevance will it ever have to you ever again? It's gone. It's gone. But is there a record of it? Does the blood not get... Oh, I don't know. In every drop of blood, there is a symbolic record of sin. Yeah. Okay. And this is a really important point because some people, oh, you know, God will take away our sin and drop it into the deepest ocean. Yes, he does. From us. But it's still got to go somewhere. There's still a record of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we have records of... So many people sin in the Bible. What happens to the blood after that? Very good question. I'll tell you what happens. is The next sinner comes along and drops more blood on top of the last blood. Mm. And then more blood on top of that. And, and more blood on top of that. It accumulates until... Yeah. What's that, what's that place going to smell like? Oh, nothing fun. Nothing fun at all. Some of you have put blood and bone on your garden. Some of you have butchered animals. And some of you have come across a carcass on the side of the road that is getting a little ripe. Here's what's interesting. And, 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 of course, there's great symbolism here once again because the stench of that rotting blood... ...was symbolic of the stench of sin. It's the smell of death. And every drop of blood would smell of death. And God wanted us to know that sin is horrific, that sin causes death, and that sin stinks because we think of sin so lightly like, ah, it's nothing. Mm. That's how God wanted us to think about sin. Okay. <clears throat> then we come, So we come back to uh, what we're... Um, dealing with right here that sin is going to stink but if you go into the sanctuary you could never smell it you know why where does the blood go why because there was an altar right there in the middle of it all yes that was called the altar of incense yes and they burned a special uh, kind of incense on that altar that completely neutralized the smell of the you know the, the rotting smell of the blood that was sprinkled in the in the sanctuary 
And um, that incense burnt with a white smoke. Mm-hmm. What is white a symbol of? Purity. Whose purity? Jesus's. Jesus's Jesus. purity. That white smoke, a symbol of Jesus' purity covering the stench of our sins. Oh, nice. Don't you love that? The whole sanctuary service is all about Jesus. Nice. Okay, but that's going to build up all year long, isn't it? The the, the The blood. The blood. And as the blood builds up, every drop of blood symbolically contains a record of every sin that was ever committed. Because that blood's not just yours. Like, that's everybody in the, you know, place that you live that goes there. That's not just yours that you do, like... The once, whole nation of Israel. You know, once a year. You do that any time you sin. The whole like, you know, nation of Israel. A good couple of times. So, that's a lot. All right. So, once a year, they had a service that was called the cleansing of the sanctuary. Yes. And I'm going to cut this one fairly short. You find it in Leviticus chapter 16. The cleansing of the sanctuary, they chose two goats. One goat for God, one goat for Satan. Yes. Which one of, which one of those would be killed, do you think? Oh, I know this. Hang on, wait. I know this. Because they let the other one go. Which one would you like to see killed? I mean, you want... That's right. No, no, yeah. Because you want the Satan represented to be killed. Of course. We all want to kill Satan. But that's not what happens. No. God's lamb is slain because that's that's an example of Jesus dying for us. And Satan's one is just like set off into the wilderness, right? Yeah, he's punished. Yeah, I remember. One is punished, one is killed. And that's a very, very important distinction to make between the two. Okay, we're going to look at the one that is killed. The Bible says that he's killed for... As a sacrifice, a sin offering for the holy place, mm-hmm. the first room of the temple. Yes, the room of the temple where the record of sin is. Why would you? Why does the holy place need cleansing? Because it has the record of sin in it. Mm-hmm. So it's not killed for your sin or my sin or anybody else's sin. For it's killed for them. the sins yeah. that are in the holy place. And that blood is sprinkled not in the holy place, but in the most holy place on the ark of the covenant, on the mercy seat. Above the law of God. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So basically you've got, here's what you've got. You've got the Shekinah glory, which is the visible presence of God. Mm -hmm. Below that, you have the mercy seat, which is the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. Below that, you have the law of God. Mm -hmm. And on top of the mercy seat, you have blood being sprinkled. Mm -hmm. And so when God wants to look down on the law of God that we have broken, oof. he is looking down through the blood. Oof. The symbolism. Oof. He looks at the law of God through the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled on Calvary. Oh, so good. Yes. This is all about Jesus Christ. Okay. So um, this was how, the, how it was cleansed. And now, now I want you to think about on this particular day. When the Day of Atonement came, all of the sins that were in the sanctuary were cleansed. Mm -hmm. Now there's no record of them anywhere whatsoever at all. Yep. Okay, so let's let's think about it. Let's say that you've got uh, two people in the camp of Israel and they both sin. Mm -hmm. One of them brings a sacrifice and so all of his sins are transferred into the sanctuary. Yep. Once the Day of Atonement is finished and over... And done. Is there any record anywhere in the universe that he's ever done anything wrong? No. 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 Yeah, that's it. It's gone. There's no record. The guys that done it. You, you, you open up the, the the record of his life, the book of his life, and you can read it from cover to cover. There's not a single sin there. There are only the righteous things that Jesus did through him. Nice. Okay. The other guy, he does some sins as well, and he kind of likes those sins. He's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to keep these ones. 
And so he doesn't take a lamb. Sorry, yeah, he doesn't take a lamb as a sin offering. The Day of Atonement comes, and all the sins that are in the sanctuary are cleansed. But whereabouts are his sins? If he hasn't done the sacrifice, it's yeah. still on him. They're still on him. Yeah. There's still a record of his sins. And this is why it's called the Day of Judgment. Because very, very simply, the Day of Atonement separates between those who have asked forgiveness for their sins and those who have not. Mm. Those who have asked forgiveness for their sins, no record they've done anything wrong. Those who have not, there's a record, and therefore they are the ones who are lost. Simple as that. It is dividing between the righteous and the wicked. This is 3ABN Music with In the Sanctuary. We have a high priest up in heaven, hallelujah, oh hallelujah, he's our defender before the Father, in a temple made by God, not man, behind the He's blind. 
Adventist Church in Newcastle, we have a food pantry service for the community. Everyone is welcome to join us for a free dinner, enjoy good company and have a great time. All you need is $10 to buy a numbered ticket and you can collect a trolley's load of food ranging from fruits, veggies, tin food, pasta bread and toiletries. Every Thursday, the food pantry starts at 4.45pm with a 5pm start for dinner. Find us at Hamilton Adventist Church at 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton every Thursday evening. All will be welcomed with love and a smile. We really hope to see you there. Behold, my servant shall prosper. He shall be high and lifted up. And shall be exalted As many were astonished that you His appearance was so marred Beyond human semblance And his form beyond that of the children of mankind So shall he sprinkle many nations shall shut their mouths because of Him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they've not heard they understand. For that which has not been told them they see, Shall be high and 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Corner Room here on Faith FM. We are about to launch into our question of the day. We have a question that's coming about the sanctuary service that we've been talking about. But we have a winner for our quiz. Congratulations to... Suran Cherry from Kurumbong. Congratulations, you have won. The book image is Everything by Dustin Hall. Yes, and well the answer, done. And the answer was, of course, Jericho... Congratulations to the Cherry family. They have figured out the statistic. Good to uh, good to have you as part of the show and joining us here on uh, Faith FM. We love it to have uh, people participating. Okay, so uh, where are we up to with our question of the day? Well, we were talking about what people need to do when they sin to take an offering, and we know that there are priests that work in the sanctuary in the temple. So the question of the day is what do priests need to do when it comes to offerings and sin and taking a sacrifice in. Yeah. I'm going to answer two questions at once here Ooh. because there's another question that goes right along with this. Um, or, or, or I should say that in answering this question, I can answer at the same time. Cool. The other question is, what happens if you sin on the Day of Atonement while it's in process? Oh, yeah, like while they're doing it for everything that's already happened. Yeah, true. Is there any forgiveness available on that particular day? Nice. Okay, the first thing we need to remember is that what takes place in the sanctuary is symbolic. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to find that if you go to the beginning of the Day of Atonement, before the Day of Atonement begins, before the service of the Day of Atonement, before the sacrifice of the goat, before the goats are even chosen, but on that day, here's what the Bible says. The Lord said to Moses, Leviticus 16, verse 2. Speak to Aaron, your brother, that he does not come at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, which is uh, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus, Aaron shall, well, this is the way that Aaron shall come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Okay, so here's what you've got taking place before the two goats are chosen. The high priest sacrifices a young bullock. Yes. And a ram. The ram is a burnt offering, but the young bullock is a sin offering. And so this, this is a uh, where he is making a sacrifice uh, for his sins and the sins that are committed on that day. The sanctuary is not open for business on that day. Mm-hmm. But that does, God does not want to communicate that during the time of the judgment there's no forgiveness of sins. That's not what God is trying to communicate. No, not at all. God is communicating very, very clearly here that, yes, forgiveness of sins is taking place on this particular day. And so this sacrifice of the bull was for himself and for his family and for the nation. It starts with himself, but it is to symbolize that sacrifice for sins takes place on that day as well as other days even though the work of the cleansing of the sanctuary is in process. Okay, so in answer to your question, the way that the priest dealt with sin was by bringing his own sacrifice okay, and facilitating his own sacrifice and carrying the blood from his own sacrifice into the holy place. Yeah. The difference is that if you were a ruler or if you were a king or if you were a priest... You didn't get to bring a lamb. Hmm. You brought a bullock. Why? Because increased responsibility. Uh, yeah, okay. 
And it was to illustrate that, you know, as a person who had increased responsibility, you were the person who was setting the tone for the nation. You were the one who was, uh, who, who, who was an had, example. Yeah. You had a higher call. You were you held a to a call. better, higher standard. You are in yeah. public office. And yeah, yeah, anybody yeah. who is in public office is called to a higher standard. Even in our country today, we yeah, expect people in public office to live by a higher standard. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, when somebody who is living by a higher standard sins, and that you know, sin is public, of course, it creates a much bigger scandal. Mm. And God said, "No, you bring a bullock, not a, not just a lamb." You know, there was different grades of of sacrifices that could be brought depending on a person's station in society, down to you know, two turtle doves or a bowl of wheat or whatever. You know, for very, 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 very poor people, but the standard sacrifice was the sacrifice of a lamb. And the priest would perform their own sacrifices and deal with the blood themselves. We're going to be back after this song with the end of the show. I'm not a warrior. I'm too afraid to lose. I feel unqualified for what you're calling me to. Along with your strength. Welcome back, guys. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. 
And we've come to the end of the show, which means that we're about to give something away. Yes, we are. Entirely for free. Yes, we are. The blessing is all ours and partly yours. You know what it is. I and don't all know. Yours. I don't know what it is. I know what book we're giving away. Oh, it was right here. Yeah, you, you've got it. We had a great interview with uh, Dr. John Ashton this morning, um, who, of course, comes on and talks about evolution and was answering some questions that had been posed to Gemma by some of her friends. Yeah, I was super stoked to get About a- microevolution versus macroevolution. I got a good answer for the question that I had. I was oh, like, wow, did. that was awesome. You that was did. such a good interview. It was an amazing answer. So we're going to promote his book again. We've been promoting this uh, quite a bit, but we're going to give one away for free today. So this is Dr. John F. Ashton with Evolution Impossible, 12 Reasons Why Evolution Cannot Explain the Origin of Life on Earth. This is conclusive evidence right here. Nobody who reads this book will ever believe in Darwinian evolution ever again. Amazing book. It is. It really is. So you really need to uh, give us a call right now. Uh, This is one of the more significant gifts that we give away here from time to time. Give us a call 1-800-324-843 is the number or text us on 0491-064-669 for your free copy of this book. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. As you go through today, do not forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. is
Stop telling me lies You're making me despise The wonderful creation God made me to be Lord help me recognize I'm precious in your sight Jesus Freely sacrificed to offer 
Love